Hello. Um, man, there's a lot of shit going on today. Uh, we're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into it. This is Real Sankara Hours. Real Sankara Hours. Follow us at Sankara Hours on Twitter. And then if you want to subscribe to us and keep this, keep, um, not just this podcast, but if you really believe in black independent media, uh, you should definitely, um, subscribe $5 a month at www.patreon.com slash real car hours. You'll get bonus episodes. We unlocked one of our bonus episodes, by the way, on Harry Haywood and black self-determination. Um, today we're going to be talking about, um, obviously the, uh, the, the uprisings going on throughout this country against police violence. Yeah. So, um, anyway, yeah, I'm Adam Hudson. Follow me at Adam Hudson five on Twitter. And I'm Peter M. Gunn. Follow me at M. Gunn Peter. Uh, yeah, independent media is incredibly important in this time. Alternative forms of media, because, you know, I can't eat. I, I'm not even going to try to watch CNN or whatever. Yeah. Because, like, you know, when people said the revolution will not be televised, I don't think people really understood what that meant. It meant that, like, the people that own TV stations are not going to give you the fucking truth. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I'll just say this as, as a pitch, um, not like a quote-unquote sales pitch, but I think it's something that's worth keeping in mind is like, you know, I I've, I like I was on a, a Twitch with Andre last week and I've heard from other people like who are outside of the black community and who are rightfully pissed at not just the police murder of George Floyd, even though that seems that that was basically the, the sort of spark that lit all this, but like yeah. Bri- Brianna Taylor, Ahmed Arbery, um, the the countless numbers of, of black people who've been gunned down and murdered by a police. And if you're wondering like what you can do, supporting independent black media, any kind of independent black media is very important because you know we're not attached to corporate funding or or government or any other kind of source of funding our funding comes from patrons so we can basically that allows us to basically say whatever the hell we want but it also allows us to basically just say like you know the the truth and just give you another perspective so um if you're you know if you want to support um the black struggle in a concrete way um you can support black media um yeah and we are we are part of black media so definitely yeah com slash real sankara hours that keeps us afloat um and so we can keep giving you uh just, just good stuff good commentary on yeah. uh what's going on right now especially because, because especially the other this. thing is that you know i certainly have a number of white independent media left podcasts that you know i listen to and enjoy but they're just not equipped to, you know, handle the situation. I mean, they're trying. I don't think they've done a bad job, but it's just a fundamentally different perspective. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's uh, let's get we, into it. I guess. Yeah, you were. Uh, so you were Peter. You were at um, a protest yeah. in Portland, yeah. Maine, right? Yeah. Right? There. Well, there have been a couple um, things have been going on since Monday. I couldn't go to the one on Monday. Because I was at work, which is which is a whole other situation, right? Um, you know, I admit, but you know that was that was pretty militant, and like they did tear gas and rubber bullet people, and they arrested twenty six people, and you know horror of horrors, and stra- swear to God, my manager was out for blood for this one. 
um, they smashed the window of an Urban Outfitters, you know, and maybe Ooh, they took some things. Uh-oh. These, these animals, you know. But, uh, yeah, then the next day, the next night, there was kind of a similar situation. But today, it was very tame. It was, you're kind of, it wasn't even really a protest. It was a rally. It was, you know, a bunch of white people standing outside City Hall listening to you know mostly like teenagers honestly it was there's a lot of young people speaking which you know nothing wrong with that but all it was a lot of like pretty tepid demands you know and then they literally was like all right now everyone go home after two hours and you know they did because they are they follow directions um and it did leave me a little dispirited because you know, when this stuff first broke out, like, last Thursday, about a week ago, it was like, holy shit, um, this could actually be the thing just because of the speed at which it developed, you know, the level of militancy, though, I still don't know the circumstances around the police station burning down. There's, there is some weird things yeah. <laughs> in that case. Yeah, you yeah. Know. Um, but... Uh, it happened so quickly that the nonprofits and instant and orgs that usually are managing this stuff got caught flat-footed, and so there was some real militancy involved, and you know that's a big part of why we saw the response that we saw. And I mean, just so everyone's clear, I, like because I because I don't know how much the um, you know regular meet the mainstream media has been reporting on this but they've been you know people have been dragged out of cars and beaten they've been tear gassing you know residential neighborhoods they in a couple cities indianapolis and louisville at least they they've used live rounds and have killed people um they've beaten pregnant women uh the cops have yeah firing wooden bullets doing all really just the there is was a- off there is a um a video in Los Angeles where there was uh it was you know a neighborhood and I think they're enforcing a curfew and there is you know they were driving up to a, a group of black uh I think teenagers and basically like they're driving around in their police SUV and one of them comes out with like um a gun I think they're firing rubber bullets and it's yeah. d- basically yeah, a, dri- a, dri- a drive by drive by yeah I yeah saw that one. Yeah, there was a drive-by. They were shooting rubber bullets, and I think one of the bullets actually hit a car's window and broke it. If yeah. I, it was the wind, the, the windshield. The the NYPD, though I don't know if this is necessarily related to the protest, but they did shoot a thirteen-year-old nineteen times. I think that was last night. Um, this is you know this has been really kind of an unprecedented display of the full power you know the full fury of the repressive state apparatus and you know and you know who's been uh giving them cover lately oh uh, who the new york times there oh, was a article in the lying new, the lying failing new york times by tom cotton in the headline is send oh, in God. send in the troops the nation must yeah. restore order the military stands by yeah <laughs> yeah cotton cotton is uh Oh, we're not going to get into him. We're not going to waste time on him. No, right we don't. Now. But it's it's just something worth mentioning in the context yeah. of, yeah. you know. Yeah, and yeah. Trump's threatened to send in the military. I kind of don't think that he will just because 
there are already like three levels of you know repressive forces that like states can already use you know the like city police then state highway patrol and then also the national guard and really that is that you know in mo- under most circumstances that should be enough you know depending on how long and how you know militant this thing is it could I mean, we could enter a period of attrition where, like, the actual capacities of these forces are stressed yeah. to the limit. I mean, it's it's authoritarianism is expensive. You know, the amount of cops you have to bus in and pay overtime and yep. give them hotels and pay for their catering. Um, one really amazing story that came out of Columbus that I was so proud of was this shitty talk i mean the tacos aren't that good i've never been there but everyone i've heard say the tacos aren't that good it's like a gentrification taco place but they (laughs) got an order of 500 tacos for the cops and the employees just walked out they weren't going to do it (laughs) Um, and then they tried to they tried to fire them but you know the media got hold of it and now they're trying to walk it back. Now they're trying to walk it back. But that's the kind of stuff where I was like, yeah, more. Um, if more stuff like that happens, you know, in a situation where like the, you know, material support in the form of like the of, you know, workers having to do the jobs to support the authoritarian state, if they refuse to do it, then it can't continue. So. I, I think, you know, I'm not, I I don't know how things are going to play out. Um, but those were things that, that was something that was revealed to me where I was like, oh, yeah, wow. There are, I mean, there are possibilities to really actually bring the whole system down. Yeah, there is, yeah, it seems like the, this is one of those weird moments where like, I don't think we know where it's going to go, but pos- the possibilities, like the range of possibilities seems a lot wider. Yeah. That's um, that, that said, it does seem that, the, you know, the typical, I don't, I don't even know what to call it, the movement management industry. That, that sounds like it could. Yeah, move, I, I think I know. What you, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like the non, like they're connected with nonprofits and shit. Yeah, like the that. constellation of like the Democratic Party, you know, grant-funded nonprofits, because, you know, not every 501c3 is co-opting the movement, but, you know, certainly a lot of um, organization, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the institutional ones, anything mm-hmm. with an endowment definitely is, and people that rely on grants, you know, from people with endowments are just always inherently, you know, constrained in what they're able to do. Uh, and, you know, to some degree, I'm just going to say it, to some degree, the organization Black Lives Matter is limited in that way. Um, I mean, I don't know the full source of their funding, but Black Lives Matter is like an organizational structure, and it is like a nonprofit, and it isn't necessarily the organization that's leading everything. So on some level, it doesn't entirely make sense to call this a Black Lives Matter protest movement. Um, And, you know, we can get into the specifics of that. But, you know, I it can morph. And I think 
that um like you know new organizations that are more nimble and can you know uh coordinate with more militant minded people are things are you know going to be on order and also to be fair there were a lot of those organizations you know in ferguson in the beginning and it was just they got flooded they got flooded as soon as it blew up um so that's all i mean that's always something to be i uh so i i didn't go into any um protests physically because i'm also still concerned about um just living with family and and you know being around large groups of people and contracting the virus and stuff like that so you know because that's another thing is like next to the the these protests are there's basically three crises going on simultaneously so it's like a perfect storm so there's the obvious the uprisings against uh police violence throughout the country and then there's still the pandemic and then there's still the economic depression so we have this is a very unique time because we have three crises coming together and i think um you know because everyone's been indoors for so long and we're all what a lot so many like a lot of people are watching the same um i was talking to a friend of mine and she was saying like um seeing the video of ahmed arbery just get killed and like hunted down like an animal and then see the video of george floyd i think that like you know, like it, it, it sort of yeah, it 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 reopened yeah, it lit loads. a spark <laughs> in people. On top of the fact that like the economy sucks, we're basically in a depression. Yeah. Which, which like yeah, textbook. This is like the literal textbook case for yeah. social unrest. Is what is where we are right now. Empire in decline. You know, kind of dysfunctional ruling class mm-hmm. economy. Yeah. in the toilet. Yeah. You know. So we're we're. We're oh, in it right Christ. now, and uh, so I've and 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 for you know the first time ever, you're supposed to be in public, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. So I I've been looking, I've been trying to find some protests in my area, but like so, where I li- like we're we're under curfew right now until like I think they just can't... at first it was six p.m. Now it's eight p.m. and I think there were some protests near where I live. Um, but they got shut down and, you know, there's a curfew. So, um, but I did manage to catch the AJ plus live stream of the protest in Oakland, um, near Lake Merritt. I think there is like, according to, uh, Dina Takuri, who was, um, doing the live stream, there's, she estimated there was around like a thousand people. There probably could have been more, but that was like her sort of general estimate. And people were just marching, you know, around the lake. It was like, I think, um, early it was like early afternoon basically like around noontime i think and um the energy like from what i observed from the stream was um i mean yeah people were were lively but it was it didn't seem as uh militant it's just people are passionate and there were some speech speeches that were like uh we have to educate our youth stuff like that um and and so yeah and then i think people kind of quickly it seemed like it seemed like people quickly dispersed after that. I was, I was just watching the stream of the Oakland one. And then um, I watched uh, Obama's speech. So he gave a speech. Oh, yeah. God. So I thought. Yeah. He had to jet. He jet. I'm sure he like jetted in directly from Geffen's yacht. 
um, to do this, and he's going right back, and Kevin's got, you know, a nice teenager waiting for him. Parody, parody. <laughs> uh, so, he was not on a yacht, according uh, based on the video. I think he was, like, at his home, uh, um, the Obama Foundation, or uh, My Brother's Keeper. Anyway, but um, he did his basic, he did his typical sort of, like, um, he was, like, you know, basically, he was very hopeful just seeing young people being active, but it was the same sort of middle ground stuff. So he he did acknowledge that the you know the pain of what he said com- communities of color. He didn't particularly isolate the black community; it was communities of color. Yeah, so oh, he said God. that. Um, Someone needs to teach Obama about black erasure. Right. Yeah. Um, and so he was saying, like, you know, I, I sympathize with the protesters and, you know, the looters are a small population and the rest are peaceful protesters. Then he also said, like, you know, there's some good folks in law enforcement who uh, want change as well. And I thought, like, oh, man, he's out of touch, man. Like, no, no, I don't think I I, I don't think like the gravity has shifted. The ground has shifted. No, I don't think really people are buying that. It's not. It's not 2008, yeah. dude. It's not 2000. It's just 2020. I don't know. Well, then again, um, the low point of the rally today was <laughs> a cop like came up to speak. Oh. And and what she was there for was to apologize. Because I guess three hours earlier in a press conference, she said, Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, oh. All Lives Matter. <laughs> and she was like... <laughs> Immediate, and i guess immediately someone's like you should re- you really shouldn't have said that so she's like i'm here to apologize i'm trying to be oh she checked her privilege huh <laughs> yes yes cops are cops are now checking their privilege so that means they're gonna stop yeah selling, she i believe is, she is checked her cop privilege when, she when, checked her cop privilege i think when, it, is that in the how to be an anti-racist book i wonder if that's in there yes well you know once you once you put cops through implicit right. bias training, then their material function just goes away, and they understand. So that now that you right. say that, that was basically what Obama was saying. It was a very much like it was a lot of like God, very uh, you know like imbis- implicit bias training, use of force policy, da da da, and it's like you know all these sound good in paper, but I- I'm gonna make a comparison. Is so I was I've been listening to. Um, adam clayton powell jr's speeches uh, i read his autobiography when i was a teenager and it made a huge impression on me he was um an african-american congressman from harlem he was also friends with malcolm x and um even the black panthers uh he actually because he was a minister in harlem and so like he actually allowed the black panthers to um set up set up meetings at his church so imagine this like a congressman it's like, okay, yeah, I'll let these like armed revolutionaries have, hold their meetings in my church while I sit in Congress. So um, c- compare that to like the politicians we have now in Congress. So I was I was listening to his yeah. speech. I was listening to his speech. He gave a speech at UCLA in January of 1968. And he was talking about the um, uh, Great Society program, like the War on Poverty. And like, this is something I think like, especially when we look back at the 60s there's a lot of stuff that gets um sanitized so like even a lot of black radicals of the time were pretty critical of the war and poverty program like i think we look back and not just collectively we but the discourse anyway particularly in like liberal to even progressive media looks back on johnson and his war on poverty through i think rose-colored glasses 
But at the time, which was evidenced by Powell's speech, is that people at the time were black radicals at the time were pretty critical of Johnson's war on poverty. And so yeah. Powell actually said he actually regretted voting for one of Johnson's bills because he was basically saying, like, look, like this money didn't actually go to the community. It was basically just going to managers, essentially. And so he said that yeah, he yeah, said that in true. a speech yeah. because he was ousted from Congress in some some scandal i mean it was it was sort of sort of like um a money corruption scandal even though like other people i mean congress is full of like corrupt money type people but he i mean basically people at the time were like okay they're just going after him because he was he was a little bit too uppity and a little too radical for con- mm-hmm. for especially the white political establishment in congress so uh, they they hadn't learned I guess they hadn't learned the art of tokenism. Right. No, this is this point. is like the mid late 60s. But when I was thinking about Powell's critique of the great society programs and the war on poverty programs, it made me think about Obama's speech. Is because a lot of things he was proposing were just basically like very like piecemeal patchwork reform, but like the the a lot of yeah. people who are on the ground are saying like defund the police, just cut police funding, and yes, it, yeah. and also yes. I think um, one thing I would add to that is actual community control of police, like because he mentioned this is this is important. He mentioned citizens review boards, but he never said giving them the ability to hire and fire police. It was just yeah. oversight. Yeah, it was oversight and 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 racial bias training, but not like giving the community power over the police in terms of hiring and firing and so i thought like okay so they're gonna take you know the 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 cause but they're gonna do like piecemeal patchwork reform that's well they're gonna try we'll see we'll see if they can succeed i i don't i don't know if people are that are that are i think people are a little bit smarter Mm -hmm. than that but i don't know I, i also saw crowds you know erupt in rapturous joy on the side of like cops taking meals. yeah so I, don't, I don't entirely know where you know the masses are but one thing i do want to zero in on is it's it's hilarious that you said managers because it is like yeah the problem you know all these all these sort of institutional problems get to be solved by you know more yeah. bureaucracy and the whole thing is that like Cops don't like cops don't fucking care to them. That's just like more paperwork and more politicians exactly. telling them how to do their jobs. And on some level, they're right. Not that I give a shit, but you think a fucking like yeah, it's like you think a cop cares about no, implicit bias training. If 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 anything, you're just like teaching them to be more racist because they'll just turn it around and be like, oh no, like I didn't react fast enough to kill to drawing my gun on the black guy. Yeah. Um, that's how that's mm-hmm. how these people think. The the reason defunding the police is like an actual worthwhile demand that I yeah. do get behind is because that's like the only thing that can actually, you know, make mm-hmm. them hurt is cutting their budget. And they soak up and they it, soak it up. To. I mean, if you look at police department um fu- like municipal city funding, police departments take up a it huge is. chunk. It's almost like the Pentagon when it comes to yeah. the national budget. It's it's exactly yeah. the same thing, you know. For LA, it's like literally half right. of the entire budget. Oakland yeah. is like forty percent. I looked I looked it up in Columbus. It was basically a third. Minneapolis was only fifteen percent, but 
which yeah because the thing is it's like know. a lot a lot of times what police do particularly in in local precincts like municipalities is that they're doing um the job of social workers so but it's like cops are basically like social yeah. workers but with guns and a ton of money so it's like the funding well, that could be going that goes up police right now could be going into like if you defund the police funding other social programs that actually do deal with crime and inequality so that like there wouldn't really be a need a need quote unquote for such heavy-handed policing but this sort of need for policing is sort of artificially created um politically well this is that's part and parcel of the neoliberal program which is like yeah yeah, austerity but but the you know to combat austerity you know, or to in, to enforce it, then you need to grow the exactly. repressive apparatus, and you just have a bunch of shitty ass, cowardly, you know, fucking mayors and city council people who will just do whatever the police want, and they just give them more money every single year. And I mean, all right, fair, fair enough. Like if you try to go against the police department, they are they are fucking goons. At the same time, like, dude, what the fuck did right. we elect you Yeah, for? exactly. You know? No, like, I... <laughs> if, if this whole If this whole democracy thing that you people keep talking about is supposed to have any fucking salience, then it's like, yeah, you need to actually do something in the interest of the people against the, you know... Because here's the thing. It's not that the police aren't accountable. They are accountable. They're accountable to the Chamber of Commerce. They're very mm-hmm. accountable to them. You know, if if they do something, the Chamber of Commerce doesn't like, they'll change. Okay, that's who. So, and it's like, yes, the police do protect and serve. That's who they protect and serve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and that was, you know, I like I said, I was thinking about um, Adam Clayton Powell Jr.'s speech about like the critique of the war on poverty, um, and how like it really didn't. Because I I wanted to compare it to right now because like there's a lot of comparisons to you know the. 1968 and a lot of the context of that was you know deep poverty and the assassination of dr king and that's what sparked riots throughout the country um and so you know the liberal establishment of the time particularly under johnson and the democrats were like okay we're gonna have like this war on poverty but even at the time a lot yeah. of black radicals oh. were like, wait this is not enough this is just like more bureaucracy it was yeah, I mean, even if what the fuck is that thing called? Not the oh, Mueller it was Moy- Moynihan. It was Patrick. Uh, yeah, Moynihan. The Moynihan, Moynihan report. <laughs> I was like, I knew it started with an M. Um, the Moynihan report, like, called for the redistribution of wealth, like federal yeah. job guarantees, like all the all that kind of stuff. Like back in the, I mean, that was back when Keynesianism right. was still around. But it was like, uh, yeah, they like they like. <laughs> Even then, they knew what right. the fucking problem was. They're all just too cowards. Right, to and I think like, what if there was a similar Moynihan report for right now? Like, let's say, let's just, I'm, I'm just sort of spitballing this from the top of my head. Let's say like by, um, let's say by December, especially when school starts kicking in and kids, because a lot of the people who are out there are kids. So once school starts starts kicking in, let's say it's September, and these these protests die down. Um, what's I wonder? I wonder. Again, I'm just spitballing. I don't know. But, like, what if there was a similar sort of Moynihan report released for 2020? What would it say? Because, I, like, I, I can't even picture even the Democrats of today even going as far as the fucking Moynihan report, yeah. which at the time was still critiqued by a lot of progressives and black radicals. 
I mean, it was very exactly. paternalistic. Yeah, very in, in the way it talked about. Very people. paternalistic, especially about <laughs> the black family. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Like, I'm again. I'm just just drawing a parallel between now and in the '60s and what can be learned because this is yeah. This is such a very, um, like everything's up in the air and it's like you know hard to yeah. fully make so, sense. But there, sometimes yeah. you can draw parallels when when they when they do apply i mean yeah what's different about now versus the 60s is that the 60s were was the point when um the you know the american empire was basically at its peak and you know the super profits were rolling in and so there you know there there was enough people under you know the ruling class believed that like there's enough money to you know throw people a couple bones you know even though still not enough ever but you know now that that's less so and the bourgeoisie are even less cooperative and in fact they much would rather you know drop their own stupid fucking right. profits and and you know try to do it themselves which will be even less effective and so there's you know there's a retrenchment i think that's going to be coming and that's the that's the thing that I don't know how that's going to play out in this context. I think you, I think you said I think you said something about attrition that I just wanted to to say I agree with because, um, I think you said it earlier, but like I like war. I think there is going to be some sort of uh like prolonged war of attrition between um the people, the masses who are protesting versus the police and state apparatus. It, I don't yeah. know if like one side is going to win because one side, the state apparatus has a lot of guns and it will only use them, but the people have numbers. And so it's like, which side like has more stamina to, to last. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like the playoffs exactly. wants it more. I mean, what, you know, I certainly, there was a mentality, you know, I guess, in the in the ancient days of Friday, <laughs> um, feels like feels like yeah. ten years ago, um, where it was just like, no, we're fucking done with this now. I mean, people can think that they're ready for you know a long fight, but it's if we you know if the leaders aren't there, if the if the support isn't there, and if you know the strategy isn't there, and if people and if you know the sort of designated organizers or leaders aren't able to you know maneuver quickly enough and adapt to changing situations then yeah we will burn out you know but you know or or just get co-opted by the libs you know or you know it could it's like yeah there's mm-hmm. the chuds who yeah. want blood and they i don't i don't think they're they're not going to get their orgiastic race war shit yeah i you know let me just say a couple of things about yeah. the race war. Um, the reason that it's incredibly stupid and the reason no one ever you should never take it seriously is because these fucking idiots don't understand that war is yeah. political. They really they think that like war, they think war is just the natural state of things. And then politics is like a, you know, lay, layer of dressing on top of that. But it's not it's the other way around. You know, famous Lenin quote, war is politics by other means. War is a way in which classes, you know, 
seek to gain things for themselves in way because they can't do it through existing political I hate to be a nerd, but also Klaus Fitz said something similar about war. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, it may not be a Lenin quote. We'll still, we'll still credit Lenin. Quote. I mean, you know, he deserves his props. You know, these guys, these guys. They, I mean, they want, they want this thing so bad, but they have no. I mean, even the Confederacy at least had like enough of a functioning bourgeoisie to like, you know, per, do a pitch to like the internet to Europe and stuff and you know be able to put that stuff together i don't think <laughs> like they have no political yeah. messaging like like you're not gonna get a lot of people to want well, to a lot sign of, up to well also here's what's different and this is something i actually when obama's i there was it was like the one part of obama's speech that i did agree with is that he said like you know if you look at the crowd of these protests um it's more representative of the country like the masses of the country and like there is a poll done i forgot where but I, i'll try to find it and put it in the show notes um basically the majority of the country supports the protest even if people like they have yeah. public opinion on on on, on people i saw i saw a monmouth poll and it, actually even a majority supported burning down yeah. the police station so even if it was an op and i'm i don't know i'm not necessarily gonna <laughs> speculate but even if, even if it was an op like it was so they did right it, the it backfired correctly. on them if it was like yeah if it was actually uh, like it, uh, or, or if they they were trying to destroy evidence is the other thing i've seen right. people talk about which i don't know maybe maybe yeah. but <laughs> it's like yeah i mean people people just had an understanding of just like no i mean people are you know we're within our right to do this and this this is kind of the thing i do want to say in terms of it being co-opted is that like on some level, it'll it you know it'll only be co-opted if we yeah. let it be co-opted. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. people, if people you know stay and bring their energy and don't get cowed, because you know what liberals love to do is they love to position themselves as the most serious arbiters of progress, and they are trying right. so hard and they're right. so determined. And how yeah. dare you question them? And how dare you push for anything more? And if you do, it's because you're ungrateful and you're an adventurist and you're you know yeah. you're privileged and all this stuff. And you just have to be there and be like, no, I know exactly what's what you're doing. I know exactly what's going on. We're here for this. And that's what we need. That's why we're here. And that's what we have to do. And you just can't, you know, if you just are direct, um, then, you know, they'll, you know, most of them will realize like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are technically supposed to listen to you. I yeah. Guess. Um, so. Speaking of listening. Um, I, I want to kind of dig into this because we were talking about it before we started recording, um, is what can people do specifically white, okay. what can white, white people, people and also, do? um, other non-black people like non-black PLC, but especially white people. Like, cause I've, I've been hearing this a lot. Um, and, uh, like. Because I've been hearing, like, you know, because one thing that's interesting. It's not, Adam, it's not our job to educate them. We don't have to tell them anything. Well, if they pay us for our emotional labor by subscribing to www.com slash Real Sun Car Hours. So patreon.com slash Real Sun Car Hours. Pay us for our emotional labor right here. 
Hella, Hella Black goes in on that. They're always like, if you're white, don't consume milk. Right. Hey, <laughs> uh. Yeah, look, um, hey, it's, it's, let's be real. Like, you know, black black independent media, uh, we don't have the same kind of budget that white media does. So, you know. We don't really have right. any budget right now. Um, <laughs> I think I, I'm, I'm probably going to give whatever Patreon money I have to like a bail yeah. fund or something but yeah like so um, i want to i want to uh, kind of set this up because there was a um a tiktok video that went viral of this um 16 year old white girl who lives in louisiana um basically um saying like and i think she represents like a lot of young uh zoomers basically so gen z um i don't know what i think the cutoff is like what you have to be born after 97 or something like that Somewhere around there. Yeah, ninety five, I think, because I think my cousin is like okay. barely in the morning. So yeah, so somewhere around like the mid to late nineties is like the are like the oldest Zoomers, but like a lot of a lot of the people out protesting are you know early twenties in their teens, and so um like so she she was talking about like how she lives in Louisiana and her parents think the uh george floyd murder was justified and basically she was like you know <laughs> wow I, oh, it right is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, i don't think i've any i don't think i've heard anyone say it was yeah justified. like i mean basically hold up let me let me uh i'm gonna try to find uh so, someone retweeted uh the the um let me let me find it because yeah it was um Okay, yeah, there's a TikTok video. I'll, I'll put the TikTok video in the show notes so people can see. But there is a uh, writer, um, Safi Halanfara, who said, uh, "I'll read through. I'll read through some of the tweets because I think the tweets are interesting because I think they can help uh, set up and contextualize what we're about to talk about." So, um, basically, so Safi was saying, uh, "Yeah, her parents saying George Floyd deserved to die, tearfully disowning them." There's a whole genre of white Gen Z kids processing in real time what's new information to them, but not us, that their parents are sociopaths. Um, and this is like a 35 second TikTok video and it blew up. And so I'm, I'm going to read like, I'll just read from a, like maybe a few um, tweets from uh, white people because uh, so someone said there are there are a lot of white parents out there who love white supremacy more than they love their children. Um, someone else, I don't think she's, I think she's Asian who's, who's saying this right here. So my dad told me he doesn't like my friend because quote, people with black skin, unquote, um, are, oh, people with black skin are evil. And when I told him he's racist, he should, he just said, quote, if you think I'm the bad person now, don't come crying at me when you're older and he beat, he beats you up, unquote. Um, and then they're, they're, they're so obsessed with like their precious white daughter like getting yeah. a boyfriend and getting yeah and then there's an, and then there's another person that. uh who said being told my entire life i'd be a disgrace to my family if i were a liberal is what kept me so conflicted and confused about my beliefs for so long this shit is so damaging um and then and then there are some i'm trying to find someone someone said that they were uh, a mormon and it told it took a so like i'm i've been so i i um I'll mention this. So I, on my Facebook, I pose this question, uh, and I'll just read it. Cause I think it's, uh, hold on. Let me, let me fucking find this shit. Uh, 
basically so like it was in response to a lot of this stuff where like um you know white people are just realizing like basically the extent of racism and violent racism in this country um and are wondering like okay what what should we you know what what should we yeah yeah so i was so my question this is my question so like because i've been i'll just say it because i've been kind of going back and forth on this because on because i see like a lot of white people and to some to some extent non-black people of color because i've been noticing other discussions about like anti-blackness within amongst asians latinos uh arabs muslims but uh so my question was like you know i i think it's cool to i like I'm okay with seeing white people ask questions, like say things like, we need to be anti-racist, we have to challenge whiteness. So I think that's good, yeah. but the thing I wonder is like, who is this for? Because on one hand, I'm like, it's, yeah. part of me is like, kind of almost tired, like just hearing white people say, I need to be a better ally. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also like, okay, at least they're trying. But the thing is, where I, where yeah, I yeah. wonder is, are they doing this because they have a lot of white guilt that they have to get over? Or is it because they recognize black people as, as fully human and recognize uh, blackness and the black community wow. as equally human? Like, that's where, I, that's where I go back and forth. And so, like, I, a lot of my white friends who are serious about anti-racism answered my question. And I, I, I thought it was interesting. And a lot of them said that... Um, one of my friends said, at least in the beginning, a lot of white people have to get over that white guilt because they have to. Is But they all said that, like, it's a process you have to keep doing. It's not like you can just donate money to, like, a bail fund and that's it. Like, it's a constant, constant thing. And it's so deeply entrenched within this society that it can take a lifetime for, you know, quote unquote, good white people to get over. So that's what I wonder. It's like. For yeah. white people and people outside the black community, uh, what can be done? Uh, uh, Peter, yeah, why don't, why don't you? <laughs> I um, I I, mean, I have yeah. a lot to say about this. First off, I just overall I hate the question. How can I help? It's almost for me. It always feels like a setup because it's like if I don't have the correct answer and like you know this perfect set of list of things for you to do, then it's my fault. It's my fault that you didn't do right. that. You're that it's an excuse for yeah. you not to do anything is, you know, I mean, you know, like your boss asks, asks you this sometimes, mm-hmm. weirdly enough, whatever. It's a like like people love to ask that question to get them out of responsibilities if you don't have anything right there for them to do. And I, you know, there's certainly things you can do. Yeah. Read, you know, listen um you know think about different think about you know when you have certain reactions to things and interrogate those reactions yes do those things um but it's very much like i feel like oftentimes that question gets asked um because yeah they people want you know an indulgence <laughs> for in the sort of in the old catholic sense you know where you could just like buy uh, you know, you could buy an indulgence and then your sin was forgiven. And I feel like it's like anti-racist indulgence. It's like carbon offsets. It's like, oh, well, yes, I just want to know um, who, what I can do to make me stop feeling this way or to make the problem right. go away. Right. Um, 
Yeah, and, keep going. I I, I want to respond to that specific point, but keep going. Yes, want to yeah. make a note. Um, it's just like yeah, it's a it's an ongoing thing, and it's like you should never ask anyone else that question. Really, is like being fine if you're like like sixteen or whatever. I'm talking to like grown ass <laughs> adults um, who don't really have an excuse for not having like gotten around to this shit. Um, they're just now getting around to it or something. It's like you should have to think, look at your own life because I don't live your life. Right. And I don't know what you mm-hmm. can or cannot do. So you have to look at your own life and, you know, really sit with the problem and, um, you know, figure out where in your networks and what's in your skill set and how you can contribute and, you know, do it in a way that doesn't ask for any sort of validation. You know, you like you're not doing this. You you have to do it because personally it affects you to the point that like you really can't live if you're not. doing yeah. it. it's like because that's how everyone else feels is like they don't really feel like they can survive in the system. So you have to feel at that level. You have to be willing to risk, you know, all the comforts that are, you know, that all the violence of the system is there to give you. You have to be willing to give those things up. If and if you're not willing to do that, then you really should just. I agree. Yeah, and I want to um, like the whole. The reason why I brought that up is because I've noticed a lot is that a lot of times those questions, they're not really for black people or to mitigate any harm to black people. What it seems like is these are conversations that white people have amongst white people, but the goal is they just want to feel less guilty about being white in America. Like that's what a lot of this shit sounds like to me. And even also conversation I've had with white people, even like people I know who I've had to have, who I've had to kind of check a little bit on this stuff that like, I had to check like, Hey, look, this is not about you. And I think that's something that a lot of white people just don't get over because when you live in America and America's largely a white country, everything is kind of about you. Like the whole world is structured to benefit yeah, and be yeah. about you. And and so even it even seeps into the quote unquote anti racism. Like, is the anti racism for white people so they feel less guilty about being white, so they can feel on some level that like I'm a good person without doing anything concrete? to ben to 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 to, you know benefit um black people and other colonized people including native americans or is it because they see black people and colonized people as equally human so therefore they feel morally compelled to do something it doesn't matter what it is i think you're right peter like you know it could be like because think about like you know activism is like every i think everyone has something to contribute like even if you're not at the protest you can do other things i mean look like i'm not physically at a protest but like my at least my individual contribution can at least be media black independent media right like there's something you can contribute on some level even if you're not like out on the front lines you can contribute but i do think that um uh you know when when everything is about like making white people feel less guilty about themselves like i don't think that gets us anywhere but I do, I do know yeah. friends of mine who are white, who are, I think, genuinely serious about anti-racism work, is that uh, 
I think a lot of them feel a moral imperative that like this this shit is wrong. Yeah, I mean, I mean the other thing about it is like a lot of the stuff we're talking about is like if you're an activist, right. if you're like in the professional <laughs> left, and most people right. are not in the professional. Yes, left, let's call yes. it that. Um, and so it's like a lot of that discourse just doesn't really apply to you, and so a lot of it is just like yeah, don't be an asshole, right? Um, <laughs> Like, uh, you know, like you can live, you know, don't be an, yeah, just don't be an asshole. Just, you know, try to understand that you don't understand everything. Uh, but there is one thing that I wish white people would do in these situations. That's strike. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. Like serious, like like seriously, like, uh, if, you know, since everyone's talking about rent strikes and all this stuff and, you know, class consciousness is coming back. Why don't we start suffusing that yes. with this movement? You know, if if like the entire country is shut down, you know, and it's and like, uh, you know, if we had, if we, you know, this could be something we could actually organize mm-hmm. a general strike around, you know, next time the cops kill someone. That Ooh, might really oh, be sick. Yeah, that would be that'd be so. You know? Yeah. A general. I mean, especially so, a lot of these. There's a lot of white people in unions. Yeah. If you're in like a teacher's union or whatever, a nurse's union, whatever, yeah. like you can organize a general strike. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like, seriously, you know, it's, and I mean, it almost raises the question, like, why has that never even been Mm -hmm. engaged, you know? Maybe it's because it's still like a professional managerial, you know, movement in many ways, in the sense, like, that's the provenance of its funding, it, you know, its epistemology, and, you know, most activism is, because it doesn't, because activism centers like the individual and it doesn't center like the workplace doesn't center like people's class and their position and their relationship to the means of production and all that stuff. Um, So, you know, that's, that's, it's a pro I think that's a problem. And I think if we could, you know, there, cause look, multiracial solidarity is important in these situations. And, you know, that's why I really dislike when people, when it's like, okay, well, if you're white, you're not allowed to be protest. And then I'm like, okay, well, what, right. what if I show up? And then it's like, what, you know, And but I'm kind of, I'm pretty pale, I'm not going to lie. And then it's like, okay, well, am I allowed to be here? Do I have to explain yeah. to people right. that actually, you know, one drop rule or whatever, like I count as being black. And then it's like, okay, dude, you know, what if they don't believe me or whatever? I mean, this, yeah. is, I mean, this is the kind of shit that I'd run into you know, any I mean, anyone who's black who like argues on the internet and doesn't have like a them in their profile picture, like you know, finds yeah. out or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, it's it's so you know, it gets so mm-hmm. dumb and it gets like, I I hate to say like it's a means of dividing people, but yeah, I mean like race is race is a fucking stupid concept. It exists, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't. It, I mean, yes, it is made up. It doesn't. It serves a particular function yes. in capitalism, and you know, it's a deadly concept. But mm-hmm. it is stupid, and it isn't. And it is like something that we should get rid of. That is old, That is still correct. Um, it's yeah. just how you know. It's just like how entrenched is it, right? And it's like, yeah, the cops don't I mean race. You know, white white supremacy and racism exists so that you can have like this. You know, bourgeois lifestyle this petty lifestyle it exists Mm -hmm. to distract people and feel like oh well now i get to you know there's that there's something different which makes it okay to brutalize this group of people that need to be brutalized for capitalism 
to function. Yeah. You know? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's like the psychological wages of whiteness and all that stuff. It's true, though. I something I've been thinking about is like the whole privilege discourse. I mm. I've been wondering if it's becoming a little outdated in the sense of like, you know, if you go back through the checklist, um, I don't remember. It was Rebecca a something knapsack of privilege. Yeah, the invisible knapsack. It was. It was. Um, um, it wasn't Tim Wise. It was Rebecca no, 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 no. It was. It was. This came out in the eighties. Hold up. Keep talking. I I'll look. Yeah. I'll look it up. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, what I was thinking about was like uh, that. You know, it's basically just like yeah, the Bonhomie and just like the sense. Peggy. Sense all right. So Peggy Macintosh. It was Peggy Macintosh. Yeah, this oh, came that's out. Right. I, who's Rebecca? Uh, she. Now? She. Um. So invisible knapsack of white privilege that came out in I think nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Yeah. Every every like intro to anti racism class. Yeah. I sense. and also I would I. I I find it very unhelpful, but yeah, this is, I mean, when, when, when we're talking about like white privilege and privilege, all that, like, if you want to know like where that concept come up yeah. from, sorry, 1988 essay. Yeah. White yeah. privilege and male privilege. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, that was, that was it. And then, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. White privilege and male privilege was 88, 1989. Um, it was edited down to white privilege, unpacking the invisible knapsack. And I have been noticing like. You know, like online at least, like there's um, been like this sort of uh, reading list that everyone can do. It's like, okay, like now that you're pissed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah now that you're pissed, here's a reading list, which I think reading lists are cool. But I just wonder, like, what's in the reading list? People don't read. This is, Americans don't read. <laughs> Come on, man. Come, Come on, man. man. And so, <laughs> Come on, man. So one of, one of the, one of the, one of the uh, assignments I've been seeing is, um, at least from some people, is uh, uh, white privilege unpacking the invisible knapsack. So it's like a checklist yeah, of privileges I've... that white people have. I think in 1989, it made sense to put it that way. But for 2020, yeah. I don't know if it's... I think this is what we're getting at. It's like... We don't... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so something that I want to say that I've been thinking about, I guess, is that, like, there's a, you know, this sense of belonging to the nation in America, mm-hmm. the white nation, um, whereas like, yeah, you know, or like, yeah, cops will stop like a, uh, you know, a kid, a white kid doing vandalism and just let him go the little pat on the head or whatever, you know, and it's, or just like all the kind of, you know, social graces that white people gave to each other, you know, wh- which are like most of what she's describing in that list from what I remember. I haven't read in a while, but I, it's basically a lot of that kind of stuff. That stuff seems to you know when the social bonds themselves are being frayed and you know everyone's becoming atomized it's like yeah there's i think there is kind of less white privilege in the sense of like yeah it's just i think these kind of social graces and in group benefits that are extended to every white person i mean i think you know if you're if you're on the outs you know if you're poor um then you don't really don't get a lot of that, and I think that it is that you know just people being meaner I, to each I, other and I, all this. I stuff. forgot to mention at least at the top of the episode, but just as an update, so Attorney General Keith Ellison uh, upgraded the charges to I think it was yeah. second degree murder, S- second degree murder, and he yeah. charged the other three, which I we'll you see. know we'll see. Like Keith Ellison, 
is supposed to be like a real one. There's so. this picture I just saw on Facebook that just makes you want to gag. So there's a black church. Everyone has, you know, their face masks on. And in the front is Joe Biden and he's kneeling. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my fucking God. I'm sorry. Did you hear what Biden said about Oh this? yes. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you tell the folks, Peter? Yeah. Why? Oh, God. Because I've been going back and forth on whether he's just like, I used to think he was a little more malicious, but I think even even with when he still had his brain, he was just like a total idiot. I mean, a racist idiot, but overall an idiot because he really just went with like the the or take of the liberal dad who watches too many yep. cop shows, uh, which is why don't they just shoot them yep. in the leg, which is like, dude, nobody... Whoever is trained in handling a gun is no. ever told to shoot. And if you want to get technical, like if you've, if it, I mean, if you've ever been to a gun range, like first of all, the targets you get are like um, vitals. The, yeah. Well, you need. Yeah, you yeah. need a big target, and that's why. Yeah, you, you need a bit. Yeah, right? and also you can't. You cannot. You can't yeah, it's a bigger legs. target, and we're likely to kill. You know, whereas with legs, it's like yeah. it's hard. It's easier to miss hitting a limb like an arm or leg so you're trained yeah the the chest is the biggest target and it's like that's why you fire a gun i mean it's it's it's, because you're trying to kill someone um but yeah i've 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 heard people say that like while they shoot him in a leg it's like no that's that's not how it works that's that's yeah that's dumb like i said i like i said that's like the the liberal dad who watches too many cop shows who who understands that something's not right about about the amount of police violence that gets glorified. Oh, that's that's another thing white people can do. Stop fucking watching yes. Law and Order. Yeah, yeah, Law and Order. Yeah. Stop watch. Stop watching cop shows. Don't watch cop movies. Don't listen to your fucking murder podcasts, oh, which are God, also propaganda. Yes. Stop ingesting cop propaganda. There's so much. A lot of those like shows are just pure pro- cop propaganda. Yeah, they are. Like, there. There you go. There you go. That yeah, one. That one's for go. free. Yeah. Stop watching cop shows. Stop watching Law and Order. Um, I used to like. Well, my mom used to watch Law and Order a lot when I was a kid. Uh, and and then I got wiser. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's fun to watch. Yeah. I guess. I you know it's a good theme. I still listen to the Hill Street Blues theme, which my dad would play. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, but got, but you know, and if you're a TV writer, and I don't know if there are any TV writers that are listening to this, but like Hollywood, okay, you need to admit that you played a yep. role in the problem. And you know what? Yeah, writers, WGA, don't write mm-hmm. cop shows. Like I'm like you, like I'm serious. Like fucking unions need to understand this shit. I mean, I've heard people be like, yeah, try try to kick cop unions out of the AFL CIO. That's that's gonna that's a mighty task. But there we go. This this is the kind of stuff that we need to start thinking about. And also, also, I don't know. Like, have you heard or heard of or read? So I think How to Be Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, like that's been flying off the shelf. Uh, I Yeah, I, I have not read it. However, I do know that the University of Southern Maine, because that's right next to where I live and I go there. I used to go to their library a lot back when it was open. They yeah they gave that book away to everyone so they just had piles and piles of the book like in the library lobby. I haven't read the book so I can't say with authority, but I have heard critiques that, um, like there's no, 
uh, specific tangible action item that's that are given. Like, I like because Irony Osei Frampon was saying this on Champagne Sharks that like he was saying that a lot of uh, white lady, like white liberal nonprofit ladies, he knows who read the book. Like, it doesn't change white behavior. It just it just confirms they're a good person for reading the book, which is what I which is what I fear oh, from this whole white ally industrial complex. It's like, okay, just read this checklist of books. Well, well, Adam, you don't have to fear it because it's already here. And it's kicking in high gear right now, it seems to be. I mean, at least, yeah. Uh, So, that's, I feel. Well, yeah, the the liberals, yes, working class white people that I've seen show out have been pretty Mm. real. And I mean, that generally tracks to, you know, the actual potential allies. It's not liberals. It's, you know, it's members of the working class. They're. Because they're, I mean, one, they also do not have a positive relationship nope. with the police, even if it's not, uh, even if it's not, you know, as terroristic. And two, they're the ones, you know, who like have that, you know, they're antagonistic to the whole system, and like they have the, they're the ones who really have the power to bring it down. It's not the, as we as we discussed in the Cabral piece. You know, and other stuff. It's like the petty bourgeois doesn't really have that much no. power, guys. They really don't. It's yeah. all an illusion. <laughs> once you re- once you realize that they act, the managers don't really have any power. Then, like you're, it's it's so liberating. Like they, like just you just don't listen to them. Just don't listen to them. I mean, you know, the bourgeoisie wants to use. You know, they could they still have the power and they can still crack skulls. Um, and you know, they they'll. They'll have to do it, but like the man, you don't have, you know, they they have face, face some level of exposure by having to do it openly. You know, they they rely on the manager to and carry that out in a more smooth way, but the manager doesn't have any no. real power. No. So, so yeah, just I mean, just like look, if if you know, but I mean, it's it's gonna take a while, and I mean, honestly, it's gonna take. A little more miseration, I think, you know, as like the trappings of American comfort become less and less and people start to realize exactly what the raw level of existence is. But, you know, hopefully <laughs> and that's just going to happen. That's not it's not like it's not like an accelerationist thing. I mean, that that's going to happen because capitalism, that's just the direction capitalism is going. But hopefully as that happens, you know, people will. And I think this is starting to happen that people are just coming around to the idea that like this yeah. is on us and we have to, you know, we have to do it. And, you know, they, we don't have to listen to these people. They, they, they don't know our lives. They can't tell us what to do, even though that's their whole thing is telling us what to do. They, you know, just don't listen to them. The right doesn't listen. Yeah. To them. And another, that's one thing I feel like what, definitely is true and what's happening is that i think there's a collapse in uh faith and legitimacy in the current i guess you could say late capitalist liberal world order political order particularly in the united states yeah because if you look at like i mean joe biden like just does not have anything to say about this fucking situation like everyone i think everyone that's why like that obama speech that he gave i was like he's so out of touch with these, mother- so... these motherfuckers like presided they are they, they already got yeah. theirs in i mean they like 
Yeah, they have nothing. nothing I mean, all all the people, all the people, the smart quote unquote smart people with the right things to say that can fix the situation. Like they're they're so out of touch. I mean, the I mean the the mayors, the mayors are out of touch. The so called black leadership, like the black political class. You know, you know who I haven't heard one word from, and I'm extremely happy about. Uh, I was gonna say Al Sharpton. Uh, I don't. I actually don't really have that much problem with Al Sharpton. No. Oh. Well. <laughs> Where is? Yeah, T-Ray? he's been a little. Well, he's out there, but he's not as out in front as in 2014. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So like uh, the the whole yeah the whole black well, yeah. the black intel like the black intelligentsia slash political class like they're they pretty much have nothing to say. I mean, we didn't even go into like Ti and Killer Mike's just weak response to this itch. Oh, anyway, yeah. that's another <laughs> yeah that's another episode. That. But I think like if you look at but... if you look at all the um um levers of the system that make you know piecemeal reform possible, like. They're just out of touch. Like they're not like they they're largely irrelevant. No one's really listening to them, and they're largely out of touch. Yeah. Like they don't know what's going on. Dude. They and the thing is, they don't have any answers. They have no fucking answers because every, yeah. we've tried all their answers, and especially with Obama. Like I said a couple episodes ago, was basically the zenith of black integration and assimilation. And it's like even under Obama, the problem of racist police violence is not fixed. So it's like okay, even the um, Democrats, the Black Democrats, who were yeah. preaching so much about liberal representation, right? Like liberal representation, assimilation, integrate. We've done all that. We we pretty much reached its peaking point in terms of that approach, and it still has not worked. So all the previous approaches, I think, are becoming more and more discredited with large numbers of people and i think that's what we're witnessing in terms of where it goes who knows but i think like i think people are just fed up with like the old yeah. rules it's it's i think it's very very clear right now yeah i mean i wouldn't necessarily proclaim the premature death of liberalism because if you're if you're really thinking about it i mean it's pretty in there and it's had a good run and really the civil rights movement was like the crowning achievement of liberalism um and it's been it's been riding off that, and you know, it's gonna take a little more for it complete for it to really die out. But it's definitely on the back foot. It, this time, it is is definitely quieter, um, and I think they have a correct understanding that maybe people don't really want to hear from them. Yeah. So much. Well, I just yeah, I think like I mean but yeah, the the liberal project we'll say, isn't really it's not dead, uh, but it's like I think yeah. more and more people. It takes a while for that to really radiate out to the entire country and not just in, you know, the kind right. of insular online, uh, you know, left spaces where, yeah, we're done with it, but it, it may take a while. But at the same time, you know, this is what I'm trying. This is one thing I do want to communicate to people is that, like, we have to help put it out. <laughs> you know, stuff doesn't fall on its own. Everything, if you do not hit it, it will not yeah. fall. Right. So. We have we have to take the action to you know assert you know which which is not like high it's just not hijacking or co-opting it in any way I mean this is a you know correct reflection of the sentiment of the masses is like yeah we want that no that like the whole thing's got to be put under question the whole thing's got to yeah. be taken apart 
Um, and that's and you know that's that's the that's the compromise is is restructuring the police system because the other thing is bringing the entire system down. Um, yeah, so. yeah, that's the thing is like because even with the whole um, cops kneeling, there was a video on Flint where like the cops put away their batons and marched with the protesters. I was like, I was thinking about initially, I was thinking like, wait, is this? I was thinking it was one of those situations in which the police stop protecting the regime and join the people. And that's like when it's game over for the ruling class. But then I was like, Oh wait, this is just like a conventional photo op. No, that, that don't, that only happens when the CIA is involved. Right. Like the, they did in the Bolivia. Gonna, yeah. Eh, not going to do it. I, I was just at least guy. glad in that particular instance, not the whole fucking kneeling and shit that like, Oh, I'm glad that they're not beating the shit out of people. Cause like, I, I, th- I, well, I was, I was I thought it was interesting that happened yeah. in Flint. Yeah. Um, because it, it seems like, you know, a place like Flint, it's like, usually there's like a really psycho kind of sheriff. And sheriffs are usually like the mm-hmm. most psycho of all the people. And I will say, people are like, oh, well, that's because they're, you know, people are like, yeah, we should elect people. And it's like, I, on some level, um, elections, like people, like for law enforcement, can you know they that gives them an impetus to play people's worst impulses case in point sheriff joe Arpaio, right. who keeps getting reelected. Mm. um i guess he doesn't now i don't even know what happened to him i hope, he, I hope he's dead but yeah it's, satire yeah, i mean f- f- because f- <laughs> no I, I that's not satire I, i'm just saying i hope that he's dead i'm not saying i'm going to yeah i just want to make that clear we just do, do not yeah. want that to come back yeah. at us for liability purposes um, i you know man if our pie was listening to this <laughs> that'd be hilarious um if you know i well yeah flint is like a place that has just gotten the raw ass end of yeah. capitalism and it is to the point where it's like yeah even the ruling class even the cops have to be, just be like look you know there's i mean there, I, there's nothing to protect there's not really even a ruling class to protect in right. a place like Flint. Yeah, so yeah. This is a really like, weird situation because it's like a lot of times at revolutions, um, you know, there's like a ruling establishment, and then like once the state apparatus turns against the ruling establishment, that's when it's game over. But in this instance, it's weird because it's like no one's really protesting the Trump administration or the American ruling regime. It's like everyone just just hates police. Rightly so. So it's a very yeah. different side. So that's what I've been trying to figure out is like, how does this yeah, play out? That's... Which we'll see. Um, but but yeah, co- we'll cops kneeling we'll with protesters, like all those kumbaya photo ops, like that's all. Yeah, it's all bullshit. Well, I so, there have been time. There have been a couple of places where it's literally like a head fake and they're like kneeling to distract. Them right. And they go tear exactly. Them, you know, because cops, because exactly. cops are psychopaths. That's why, and that's why ninety-eight percent mm-hmm. of them are cops. Yeah. Anyway, we're at yeah. an hour ten. Uh, I think, yeah, we've we've covered enough. Um, anything else you want to mention, Peter? Or? <laughs> that was that was that was pretty wall to wall. Um, we'll put some bail. We'll put some bail funds in the links in the show notes. I guess you know everyone, stay safe. Yeah. Stay strong. Uh, you know, don't don't fall for the. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, people trying to turn us around don't fall for it just stay resolved uh stay safe stay out of jail and you know keep fighting because 
we have as much chance to turn this into some yeah. bullshit as anyone does. And so on, you know, we don't know where it's going to go, but we can, you know, we can still have the, you know, our, we can still have a way to shape it and, you know, kind of hopefully move it in. I, uh, before we, uh, sign off, I do have a, um, a quick announcement. Um, so wait, this probably, I don't know if this will go out. Um, if this goes out before this. I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna okay yeah it. so we're recording this wednesday june 3rd 2020 on friday june 5th uh 2 30 p.m eastern standard time um i'm going to be on an online panel with the coalition for civil freedoms um and we're going to be talking about um so with all the stuff that's going on there's a case of a um of a Somali Swedish uh, prisoner named Muhammad Youssef, who is a victim of extraordinary rendition and who died of uh, COVID-19 in a U.S. federal prison. And so I'm, I'm going to be on a panel with um, uh, mostly, I, I say like all black Muslims. Um, I'm going to be the only black person who's not, not a Muslim, but we're going to be trying to make a connection between um, the, the criminalization of blackness in America and the racism that sustains the war on terror. Um, that's a zoom panel, but um, I think by the time this episode goes out, I'll try to get the link for it and put it in the show notes. So if people are, are interested, um, yeah, I'll be on that panel. Um, and I think it'll be really interesting. It'll be a really interesting discussion. I'm very excited for it because a lot of my journalistic work, um, the past decade revolves around these kinds of issues like the war on terror and uh, systemic racism and making the connections between the two. So I'm personally very excited. Um, so I just want to make that announcement. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll put, uh, hopefully I, I'll talk to my friend Lena about uh, like getting the link and putting it in the show now. So like, let's say, you know, by the time this, this podcast episode does go out and people are interested in, in watching it, I'll try to put the uh, link in the show notes. Um, but the title of it is um, I Can't I Can't Breathe, A Conversation on Black Lives, Racist Policing, and the COVID-19 Death of a Prisoner. So I'm very excited. It's a, It'll be a Facebook live stream with Coalition for Civil Freedoms. And I'm pretty sure if you look up Coalition for Civil Freedoms, um, go on their Facebook, look them up. Uh, um you, you can find the video and, and definitely follow the kind of work that they do. Cause a lot of the work that, that they do uh, working with prisons, it, prisoners is uh, very, very important. So I'm very excited about this. Uh, I just wanted to announce it and it definitely relates. It definitely relates to a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast. Um, the issues that impact black people and issues like, you know, the, like the episode we did with Dr. Colette Harris about COVID-19, how it's impacting black communities. Um, so anyway, I want to make that announcement. I'm very excited. Um, I'd love to, sh- uh, just want to share that with you guys. Um, so anyway, yeah, that I just want to get that out the way. Um, support, uh, independent black media, like real sun car hours, our podcast, www.patreon.com slash real sun car hours again patreon.com slash real sun car hours follow us on twitter at sun hours s-a-n-k-a-r-a hours like the time um 
And I'll end with this. I mentioned Adam Clayton Powell Jr., and this is a phrase he used to say, keep the faith. So for all, all you folks out there who are out there protesting and angry and not sure of where this is going to go and feeling uncertain, just keep the faith. Power to the people. See ya. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get yeah. it one of these days. All right, peace.